This is Talk Is Sheep, the official podcast of the Wild Sheep Society of BC, brought to you by Sitka Come along as we bring conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. Greg frickin' Rensmeg, brother, how's it going? I'm super disappointed, Kyle. You've shaved your beard off. <laughs> How are you? You know, you're the first to notice it. I so the wife didn't notice it. The kids didn't notice it. Nobody noticed it. So hey, I cool, buddy. Thanks. That that uh, at least somebody noticed it. So. Well, I, I guess that means I care. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm getting old and nobody looks at me anymore, except for Greg. So. Uh, yeah. yeah, we don't want to eyes, make it though. weird or anything. <laughs> that derailed um, quickly. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, straight into the ditch, right? Um, episode 152, uh, none other than Thomas the Legend Madsen. And uh, kind of, this was a cool one. He's one of those, uh, let's call him, uh, uh, what's the proper terminology? Uh, unsung hero. Uh, you know, one of those guys. You know, the, the Colin Peters of the world, the guys that are in the background working day in and day out for conservation, wildlife, and really care about the mission. And they're not they're not limelight guys. They're not out there look, saying, look at me. And I'm not saying other people are doing that. But truly, these are one. Tom is one of those guys that gives a shit, does a lot of good things for wildlife in general. Um, and not just wild sheep. Um, you know, he sits on our projects committee, does a bunch of stuff, but... Uh, he's really involved with mission run gun club and they're doing some fantastic work too. We've had the opportunity to partner with them on some stuff. And, uh, anyway, just, it's awesome to talk about these guys that are in the, talk to these guys that are in the trenches day in and day out doing some fantastic things and, um, got some great opinions too. I like the way this guy thinks. Yeah. Well, he's, he's one of those guys that once you get him going, you know, he, he shows up at all the counts or as many as he can and, once you get them going on conservation and what can change or just hunting, fishing and outdoors in general, he doesn't stop. And he's always, he's always got his mind on the hot top, hot topics. He knows what's going on for the most part. And he's the nice thing about him is he's a great advocate for it. And he's always sharing with whoever he can, whether it's at work or at the club. And, you know, he put pushes our mission greatly like he's he's opening the doors for us and at mission he got what last year he kicked off they did the wild game dinner and he was behind that and auction and proceeds came to us and mission we split them and it was opening the door there for us and you know it's a it's a tough market to crack for wild sheep down in lower main because there are no sheep so yeah yeah you know, we during COVID we held uh, coming right out of COVID we held that Kamloops pub night, and we did a horn aging event. And Bill Jex was down. It was a fun night. Sold tickets to it, and uh, Thomas came up for that. He brought Peter Buker. Peter's another guy at uh, really involved with mission, and uh, he's one of our life members and just a fantastic guy. He's killed a couple of sheep. We talk about him on this podcast, and uh, two great guys. You know, they're always there to support and. Uh, just there smiling and just giving a shit about wild sheep and love, love guys like that. You know, that's, that's the heart and soul of the wild sheep society, BC. And it's pretty cool, man. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. They're, uh, they're staples at all the events and you might not even know it. That's, it's the neat thing about them. They're never in your face. They don't let you, they know it. They're just, they're doing the work and making things happen and showing up at projects, showing up at events and supporting what we do and, we love people like that, and they are the lifeblood of our membership. 
Yeah. Speaking of which, um, there is a membership drive going on right now, and you just, uh, you know, we had a quick chat about that. This is a really cool opportunity. So we've got an opportunity. Somebody's going to go to Spain, and they're going to go hunt mouflon. And uh, this was uh, this was a full donation given to us uh, from a great outfitter uh, out of Spain, and uh, one of our life members purchased it. And he couldn't go. He had a conflict. He tried to move it, and it just wasn't working out. And uh, he came to us and said, can you guys use it? He goes, I'm happy to donate it back. And um, we're like, really? And we talked to the outfitter. The outfitter was good with it. So um, we've got this full donation. It's a mouflon hunt in Spain. Um, it's a great opportunity. One of our directors, Robin Routledge, hunted with this guy a couple of years ago. Uh, him and Lindsay went over. They had a fantastic hunt. Uh, spoke really highly of it. So that's the first prize. And then there's two other prizes. Uh, we're giving away some taxidermy credit um, and also a, um, what was our third item? A pair of Schnee's boots. So uh, Michael was up here for our show with Schnee's and they generously donated a set of, I think it's a set of their granite boots. So it's a great product. I just bought a set of Schnee's myself this past year. I'm gonna. I was gonna run them on my fall hunt, but I didn't quite get them broken in in time. But uh, anyway, a great membership promotion. Um, everyone's eligible. Buy a buy a membership one year, three year, upgrade to life, upgrade to monarch. Uh, everybody's included. The more you buy, the more you win. And uh, if you're thinking about joining as a member, there's never been a better time because the prize package is bloody nice. Well, and the odds on winning this are better than any any raffle you can think of. That's we're not going to get ten thousand members from it, so it's sixty bucks. Yeah. That's your that's your raffle ticket, so to speak, for a mouflon hunt. Join the society, yeah, see what we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Support the cause, and you get a ticket in. And like you said, we've got fifteen hundred members. Do the math. It's you know your your chances are one in dozens slash hundreds, not one in thousands for sure. There's no way. So, um, yeah. Good, good point, Greg. I think I'm going to go upgrade right now, but I, I have a feeling yeah, they're not going to let me win. I, uh, you know, I, I'm not hoping for myself, but the uh, the kids may have upgraded recently, so <laughs> yeah, a couple, they couple did of upgrade. entries there. <laughs> so there we go. Yeah, so Connor bought his... Uh, oh, sorry. Am I allowed to say your kid's no, name? You can, yeah, you can say that. Uh, sorry. Anyway, your, your son bought his membership through... Uh, life membership through our Jurassic Classic raffle, or our... Uh, online auction the jurassic online auction and then you're you're like well uh, connor's got one i gotta buy one for my daughter now right so uh, pretty cool that was a two for one it was an expensive uh, purchase with connor grabbing his right oh uh, mr serby was joking with me he goes oh you cheap prick you save 50 bucks on connor's life membership and it's like oh no there's gonna be another thousand coming quickly i can't just buy <laughs> one life that wouldn't sit well at the home. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Uh, we talked about the Grizzly Bear Framework. Again, please, if you're listening and you haven't done it, just go online and fill that out. There's lots of stuff on our website, wildsheepsociety.com. Click on the Act Now button. There's It's right on our homepage. Just go over there, and there's links to the Grizzly Bear Stewardship Framework. Um, it's really important that you engage on this. Um, advocate for the things that are important to you. We give you some uh, guidelines and ideas on there. You don't have to follow our opinion. Just fill the bloody thing out. Uh, at the very least, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably care about science-based wildlife management. We advocate for that in there. If that's all you tell them you want to see, um, if you want to see dedicated funding for grizzly bears, you know, 
Don't even mention the hunt. We don't care. Um, but at least stand up for some of the stuff that is hunter conservationists we care about. And uh, super easy to do. It takes 15 minutes. And like I said, there's some cheat sheets there if you need some ideas or tips. But just don't don't give it the easy pass. Just take the time. If you if you want to do something for wildlife in British Columbia, just do that. That's that's a minimum, and I think it's pretty pretty basic. So please yeah, don't please don't sleep on it. And if you want help, email me directly, kstelter at wildsheepsociety.com. I've got a cheat sheet for you. You can copy and paste, and it could take you two minutes. Not suggesting you do that if you, but if it helps you and you want to do it, at least you've done it. I've got a document that it's copy and pasteable, and I'll make it easy for you. So, uh. Anything else, buddy? What do we miss? Oh, we're still running the uh, the Danny Strong raffle, which is just the incredible platinum sheep hunter package, f- so full of stuff. We don't even have time to talk about it. You need to check it out. Okay, I I do have to actually talk about this one, and I'm not going to talk about all the stuff in there. There's thirty thousand dollars worth of prizes there, and there's only a hundred thousand dollars worth of tickets, and we've only sold thirty thousand worth. So. Odds are incredibly good. It only runs for another six weeks. We're going to draw it uh, early November. But here's the important part is uh, this is an emotional raffle for everyone involved. Uh, One of our Monarch members, Dennis Cabana and his wife, uh, Teresa, uh, lost their daughter this past year. Uh, Danielle was a young girl. She got sick and passed away um, very suddenly, very tragically. Um, she was Dennis's little hunting partner. Dennis and Teresa do a ton of work for the Wild Sheep Society of BC. Uh, they're our chef for the Jurassic Classic. Danielle was following in, in Dennis's footsteps, uh, really passionate about the outdoors. And this was a huge loss to a family that, that's part of our wild sheep family. Um, when this happened, uh, another one of our Monarch members, Nolan Wanup, heard about it, and he was absolutely gobsmacked. He was absolutely devastated. Nolan's like, we're doing something. Nolan went out, and he pulled out all the heavy guns. Every single person he knew um, that had some means behind them, he, he got donations, big, borrowed, and stealed. Um, he didn't steal, and he probably didn't beg, <laughs> but he, he talked really nicely to them. And got all these donations, and Nolan put this together. He put he put this package together, $30,000 worth of gear, went to Omer at Precision Optics, and Omer said, yeah, Omer gave him stuff at, at cost, I think. Um, but certainly, there's skin in the game from tons of people, Nolan himself personally, Precision Optics, to put this package together. What we're going to do is we're going to raffle this off, and the proceeds from this raffle are going to go to a Monarch membership for Danielle. Now, she's already been upgraded to a Platinum Monarch membership, which is a $25,000 level. If we hit 100000 in sales, she's going to get our new level of Monarch membership, which doesn't even exist yet. We don't need to create it because it doesn't exist. But our goal is hit hundred grand in sales, and it's going to go to a Monarch membership. Now, our Monarch membership program, that money doesn't go to the Cabana family. Um, it goes to the Wild Sheep Society of BC for our conservation efforts. Now, the key takeaway here is what it's done is it's created a legacy for Danielle. Danielle's name will be forever enshrined as a Platinum Monarch member of the Wild Sheep Society of BC in perpetuity. But if we can make that $100,000 level, we'll take her to that next level, create a new level of Monarch membership. She'll be number one on that list for the 
eternity. So we've memorialized this young girl. Um, we're supporting the wild sheep conservation efforts. Danielle and Teresa will decide where that money can be directed, and that money can be directed to a number of our initiatives and projects. Um, so, you know, they will decide where that money goes, but it will go to um, Northern Burns. It will go to disease. It will go to one campfire. It will go to one of our initiatives within British Columbia. And Dennis has already reached out and said, you know, he wants it to go to projects. And we also want to create um, a youth program moving forward as well. So all these things are in its infancy. The key takeaway is you can get these raffles now. Go to our website, click on the raffle button, get over there and buy some tickets. And that supports this Monarch membership, this Danny Strong member uh, raffle. And the cool thing is, is somebody's going to win 30 grand worth it. If you wanted a sheep hunting kit, Nolan said, I want the best of the best. That was, he was absolutely imperative. And he was, he went shopping with Omer and he said, so there's a Nexus rifle from Gunworks on there. There's Stone Glacier gear. There's Kefaro packs. The list is endless. It, well, it's not endless, but it's pretty darn long and it's pretty darn good. So anyway, I've talked a lot, haven't I, Greg? I'm sorry, buddy. You're long-winded tonight, but I think that's no better better time to roll into episode 152 with the man himself, Mr. Thomas Manson. This episode is sponsored by our conservation partner, Frontiersman Gear. Thank you, Sitka Gear and Frontiersman Gear, for investing in healthy wildlife and sustainable ecosystems. Good evening, Mr. Thomas Madsen. Good to see you. Looks like you... Uh, what's that above your head? Moose. Is that a moose? Yeah, yeah it's a moose we shot okay. three years ago on a family hunting trip, the wife and I. Nice. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was a monster mule deer that had some... Uh, <laughs> no, nah, it's just a little baby moose. A... Nice, nice. So I see you're having a, a cold one there. Greg Greg cracked a training beer. He's going in the mountains here in three days. What are you uh, What are you sucking on there tonight? I got a 12-year-old scotch tonight, so it's pretty tasty. Oh, <laughs> what a Glenlivet or what is it? Oh, it's an Albador or something like that, I believe it was. Oh, okay, yeah, nice, yeah. nice. A little Chadwick action going on here, not to to not make Greg, a scene he, or anything, but uh, Mr. Fancy yeah. Pants here. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, Greg, what's uh, what's our next uh, next whiskey that's coming out? I don't know. Have we established what's coming out next? No, I don't think we have. So we're gonna have to get on that. So yeah. Oh, uh, maybe uh, it, little dolls or. Dolls have been neglected, so we might have to roll with that somehow. Seems appropriate for sure. Attaching genie shine. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Awesome. Well, Thomas, uh, awesome to have you on the show. Uh, you do so much for conservation, so much for wild sheep, so much for ag- advocacy of all the things that we all love. Um, but uh, you're also. Uh, the strong silent type, the guy that's not always in the limelight. So um, let's let's tell our listeners a little bit who the hell is Thomas Madsen and why he's on Talk is Sheep tonight. Uh, well, first off, I want to thank you guys for inviting me. I was kind of surprised when Greg invited me and said, you know, I'm one chromosome away from Sean Strickland. So I'm pretty impressed that he actually brought me on here. Um, I'm Tom Madsen. I live in Mission, BC. I've been a hunter all my life. My dad got me into it at a young age. So seven or eight years ago, Rob Weeks actually introduced me into Sheep Society, and then I was like, well, what's this? This is interesting. What's conservation? I had no idea about it, and started learning more about it, and then I'll become involved with you guys. So, yeah, uh, 
plumber, live in Mission, and what am I, wildlife chair at the Mission Rod and Gun Club, and I don't really know what to tell you. Sit in the background and try to help out when I can. Awesome. Well, there's a lot to unpack there, but uh, I think you're a sheep hunter too, buddy. I think it's pretty safe to say that you are, you're maybe not, uh, uh, you might be a less than one, but you're definitely a sheep hunter. A sheep watcher, I think I'm at right now. I haven't hunted any officially, <laughs> but I've watched a few of them in the woods now. <laughs> well, what was your flying trip this fall then? Was that just a camping trip or what? Oh, I guess it was a sheep hunt. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, nice try. You can put that off. And you've gone a few times now. So, and you know, they always say that whole thing about uh, the the year you start hunting sheep is the year your sheep that you're going to kill is born, right? So typically it's seven, eight, nine years before people get that first sheep. And I, I look at my track record. I think uh, I got to go back to 10 or, yeah, 2010. To, so that's 13 years ago and I've got two sheep. So um, yeah, I'm right on par for that six and a half, seven years, right? So. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty accurate, um, and yeah, really cool. So uh, let's start back to the early days. Then, um, how did you, obviously you said your old man got you into it? Were you in the bush with a a twenty two at the age of five, or how did that work? Uh, first hunting trip I think I was around nine, ten years old. With my dad, we went up into Loon Lake around Cash Creek there, hunting mule deer, uh, and then from there, I kind of just hunted moose and mule deer most of my life with my father. And then one year, I ran drew a goat tag. Uh, went hunt on a goat hunt with my buddy and another buddy told me to mind that the sheep society was putting something on at the mission rod and gun club. I went there and Rob Weeks was there giving a presentation, went there and saw the presentation said, well, sheep hunting looks interesting. And then fell down that wormhole. The next year I applied for the spats easy draw. Of course you get it. Cause the odds are like 0.9 to one that year when I applied for it. So I got the spats easy draw, hiked in 20 kilometers, got onto some nice rams and some ewes on that hunt, which was actually pretty fun. Great experience. Learned a lot. Learned you got to have patience if you're going to be a sheep hunter. Don't spend all your time running around, spend your time sitting down and watching. And yeah. And then last year we went out or this year I went up with Peter on a wonderful adventure up flew west out of Dee's Lake there, and we spent 10 days up there looking around for the area that he pulled a ram out in 2014, and his hunting partner pulled a ram out in 2020. And we, unfortunately, didn't see too many rams, a couple of rams, a few do- or some ewes, some caribou, no grizzly bears, thank God. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of been my journey for hunting, basically, right there. Just moose, mule deer, and been sheep a lot now, and haven't dabbled in elk or anything like that yet. Cool. Well, we didn't really have an agenda to talk to, and we got lots of stuff to talk about, but uh, we still got to hit the Ukraine, and uh, there was that uh, other... <laughs> but uh, <laughs> before we, we get into those deeper topics, um, so you said this is your third year of sheep hunting. So the Spitsisi draw was three years ago with last year, yeah. that trip, and then this year. So this is your third year. Yeah, third year, I guess. <clears throat> so... Um, do you have the sheep bug? Is this something you're going to continue to do or do you see yourself doing it for a few years? And if you're not successful, you're like, I like, you'll probably do it again, but is it one of those things where now I'd rather go kill a caribou or do something else? Or, um, do you have a priority there? No, I want a sheep. I definitely want to keep on hunting sheep for the rest of my life. It was actually going this year with Peter was kind of an interesting thing because he's 68 years old and watching him do his final sheep. hunt. he said, he's like, this is my last hunt. And it's like, that's pretty interesting. Like you don't have to go every single year. But if you just like set it up, like maybe every three years you're going on that adventure and putting it out there, it's just, it's, it's about being out in the mountains. It's about sitting out there, hanging out, hiding from the bugs, hiding from the wind, just hanging out and enjoying those beautiful views and relaxing. Like it's not about, for me, 
my first hunt, it was like, go, 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 pounding as hard as I could, looking as hard as we absolutely could for sheep. And then this last hunt with Peter, right off the get-go, he says to me, he's like, this is a vacation as well as a hunt for me. And I know what that meant. My dad used to say that all the time when we go to hunt. He's like, this is a vacation as well as a hunt. And it meant he's not going to be pounding it as hard as he absolutely can. He's not going to just go, 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 go. But it's also just sitting down and relaxing and watching and sitting on that mountaintop and just appreciating the beauty of Mother Nature when you're sitting up there. And that's one of the best things I've found about sheep hunting is when you're just in the middle of nowhere when you're up in the cast yard staring at those beautiful mountains just go on and on and on and on. It's just like, how could you not want to do that for the rest of your life? How do you not want to see that when you're 68 years old? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I just did a podcast uh, with Mike Selden, our VP, and Mike, and it's going to anger some guys, and uh, kind of angered me a little bit too. But um, it, it's uh, sheep hunting is easy if you know where the sheep are because they're there every year. They go to the same spot. Yep. Um, they're easy to kill generally. Like they got great eyesight, but if you're a little bit stealthy, you can catch up. Get you know get on them. It's not like they're generally hiding in the trees. So generally, if you know where sheep are, the time of year and what range they're on, they're going to be there every year. You just need to go there and wait for them and wait for an opportunity, and then be smart enough and you know stealthy enough to get within three, four, or five hundred yards, whatever you, you know, probably not five hundred, but whatever you get get close enough to take a shot. And um, and that's that is true, but it's the finding those bloody things that's the hard part, right? And it's. Uh, it's it's you know and that's why guys are so have these spots that are so coveted and everything now for for you is there sort of a like a sense of like i need to kill one because some guys and you know i kind of wonder like um you know i've I've been fortunate to be a less i'm no longer less than one club guy um and i did get really lucky i got a ram on my first year which was shithouse luck to be frank but you know do you feel that you need to kill a ram? Do you feel like, you know, when you're out there, because there's these mistakes being made, right? These young rams are getting shot. A lot of them, again, I just talked to um, you know, some government officials and there's young rams that are being, underage, immature rams that are being harvested still. Um, do you feel that there's this pressure to kill something? or? No. Not, not anymore. My very first hunt, I was like gung ho to try and find a ram, but I was set on like I'm. I was told to only shoot a full full curl at that time, so I got on one ram that was actually pretty close. And then this last hunt here, it was there was no questioning about it. It was only going to be a ram if it was the right thing. I'm not going to be sitting there shooting an underage ram. I don't want to shoot a small ram. I'm going to make sure it's the right thing. I'm not going to be chasing after some little animal or anything like that. It's sheep hunting is more of a fun sport it's not like it's not a fun it's an adventure is what i see it as it's a great adventure you're not going out there to fill your freezer with a mountain of meat we know that you're not going to get a ton of meat out of a sheep you're going out for a great adventure in my opinion and you don't need to be coming home with your head hung low because you shot an underage ram that's not the way to finish an adventure you should be finishing it off happy like i did my last hunt there i i've never been happier than my last hunt and i came back empty it was incredible. Like we had a great time, saw many sheep, saw caribou, no moose. We saw one grizzly on the drive up, but it was an absolutely amazing adventure. And that's what makes it the best. It's not killing the animal, it's the adventure itself. Uh, we flew in on a mall and then we flew out on a beaver.
No, I, I, he's done. He was at the end of that trip. He's like, that was the one last trip to prove to myself that I could do it. But he's like, I don't need to do it anymore. He's like, my body is pretty beat up from that one. So he was happy. He was very content. And he was a great hunting partner to have as well. He's got one doll and one stone. Yeah, that's just the two. He didn't start hunting until like 20 years ago. Oh no, in his 50s he started hunting. Yeah. He's got a massive collection of them. He's a giant collector, but he's only got the two on the wall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mission Run Gun Club. I've been a member since I think I was about eight years old or something like that. My dad got the family membership, and so. I've always just shot there. It's been the place I've gone to about five, or actually the beginning of COVID, I was sitting there at one of the general members meetings. And then I guess the rifle chair had stepped down and they needed somebody to step up to be a rifle chair. And nobody wanted to do it. And I was kind of pissed off at the state of the rifle range. So I said, all right, I'll do it. I always complain about this place looking like a dump. So I took over the role as rifle chair and started fixing it up, painting it, cleaning up the rifle range and all that. And met some great guys along the way there. Ron Newman, the co-chair, who's now the current rifle chair, an amazing guy. Him and I had learned about that. We actually had a budget, so we started blowing the budget every year, trying to make the place look better and better and better and better. And then they came up with the wildlife chair position, and I basically got it. I ran against Chuck Zimmerman, and they actually appointed me over him, so I was pretty happy over that one. And since I've become the wildlife chair, I did the, well, we did the wild game banquet last year, which was a pretty good one. Greg, you came to it. I think the food that Peter cooked for us was pretty fantastic that year, last year. And now there's just Great rifle range. We're actually, I think, the largest membership based range in Canada at 5,000 members currently. They've been around for over 100 years, or almost 100 years they've been there for now, or something around that. Like 1924, 23, I believe that place originally got started up and something like that. And it's great rifle range. They got 300 yard rifle range, they got cowboy action, they got shotgun range, pistol range, heat range. We got a brand new multi-gun range that's just waiting for approval from the CFO. And we got the 3D archery range that takes almost an hour to walk through the entire thing. And then we got the 2D archery range. And there was just some talk of putting in a 100-yard Olympic range in the next five to ten years or something like that as well. Oh, we lose Kyle. Oh. Well, that's, that's pretty awesome with all the different ranges and lots of great work going on at Mission that... It's impressive what you guys are doing there. I know I was a member, but I took that move and not a member anymore. But I'll still support you guys. And now going on. And now we're just slowly expanding more programs, trying to get the kids and the youths involved. We got uh, the Sculpins Fishing Club. They were out yesterday tying fishing lures and stuff like that with Brett and Brian Cummins Garage. They got what do we got? We had a children's youth program for shooting as well. We got kids coming out like once a month and we got a bunch, of, I think they have like 30 children or 30 kids that they bring out now from like all different members and stuff like that. And they're just getting more and more and more youth involved in the programs there. 
We've got the Women Want to Shoot program, which we were talking about earlier there. Once a year, we put on that program. We had, I think it was last year, we had 90 ladies there over that one day and ran them through all the different disciplines. They all have a great time. Get to try the different, you know, just all the different ranges there. What else do we do there? There's so much going on in that place. It's really, it's, it's never ending, honestly. So, Thomas, I, you know, as I mentioned, I was I was at that Women Want to Shoot thing. My wife was, uh, she participated, loved it. Uh, it was pretty cool to see that and watch her, you know, get a comfort level with the firearms. But the one takeaway that really blew me away is lots of times we, quote, preach the choir. We bring our wives or we, we bring our daughters or kids or whatever or buddies, right? And the the really cool thing about Mission was there was lots of local people from the community that had nothing to do so how what's your recruitment process because i was talking to accountants that were you know working in the office in town and you know people that were working at the dealership and all these women had never been involved with the the club they don't know anyone there but how, how do you guys solicit these people how do you get them involved word of mouth that's honestly wow. is it just word of mouth my wife came the year before next year she had five friends that came with her it's just word of mouth i got your wife out there it's just it, I can't believe it, but it's honestly just word of mouth and a little bit of or posting on Facebook, and they sell out 90 tickets within usually less than a week. Well, the phenomenal thing is we always sit there and we talk about, you know, losing social licenses hunters, right? And uh, man, oh, man, like if we want to make a difference, what you guys are doing there, that's moving the needle um, to me because you've converted 90 women that are now they're passionate about it everyone loved them like there was not one woman where she was like oh i hate this or everyone was smiling and they were like super and some of them were uh, the thing that blew me away is that how bloody good they were like i remember and i i learned as a kid and i've taught my kids and i've always seen but i'll tell you these women they pick up the firearm and the first couple they'd be like it'd be so foreign to them they wouldn't even understand how to hold it and within 10 rounds they were like unbelievably accurate it was freaky man and every lady finds like a certain gun they like there's always just like one that they pick up and it's the one that's like boom that's the one and they're just sitting there having so much fun it's so interesting watching and like you're saying you just like people that have never touched a gun before in their lifetime or something like this is amazing i've just had so much fun and it's just like boom just one more one for the good guys right on we got somebody else on our side yeah i that's an impressive program and i know you guys are doing it again this year and you reached out to uh to our women's shaping conservation chair Rebecca, which is really exciting that we're you know we can be part of that. We're really grateful to partner with you guys on on what you're doing there. So, um, the, one of the things you just talked about. Sorry, did you have anything you want to say about that? No, go ahead. Okay, so one of the things that uh, you mentioned earlier was that that game dinner that Greg came out for, and Peter he's Peter was a professional chef by trade, wasn't he? That's what he did. For yeah, he was like an acclaimed chef. And the BC Winter Games in 2016, he was the executive chef that ran that, served like 1,500 people over five days. He used to be, he was telling me when we're on our hunt, he used to be like one of the top executive chefs in British Columbia. And now he's wow. just, you know, hanging out in the mountains of Maple Ridge by himself. Wow. Yeah, super yeah. cool. So that was a great event. And I think you guys donated a bunch of money it was a bunch of proceeds from that came back to the society for our conservation work um you know what kind of inspired that and and how does uh, you know how does the board get involved with that and how do they you know it, it's impressive we, what you guys are doing we peter and i were just talking one day and i said the mission ron gun club needs to donate money to the sheep society and he says well instead of just asking for money let's just earn it and i was like how do you figure we did do that and he's like let's do a wild game dinner 
that's a great idea. And we approached, I approached the board and they said, go for it. Let's do this. And they let us do it. So we just round up a bunch of wild game from different people. And Peter cooked it all up. We spent a week uh, cooking and prepping and getting everything all together and all organized and ready to go. And I was running back and forth from his house almost every second day, picking meat up that he'd prepped up and has marinating and everything like that. And then the day it all came together. And it was fantastic. Hmm. Well, that's pretty impressive. And, you know, it's such a privilege for us as a society when we can partner with, uh, you know, like-minded organizations that's, you know, and it's interesting, you guys are in the lower mainland um, and, you know, there's projects that obviously you could be supporting in your backyard and to, to support a, a sheep project is pretty cool to be, you know, giving your conservation dollars for that. And I just think like, you know, what could we do as, uh, you know, uh, more holistically across the landscape if we all kind of got together and we're working on the same project and you know we've got a handful of uh fish and game clubs so i'll call them that we work with and and you guys are one of them and it's pretty inspiring when we see that kind of dedication and support and it's always a dedicated member like yourself and peter that are driving the bus on these things which is really cool and then they get the board buy-in and um it's really awesome to see that kind of support yeah, it's like what people need. We need more people to do it, right? If everybody steps up, if everybody works together, things will just get better. The landscape will get better when we see more sheep on the landscape if we all work together, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I gotta, I'm gonna get philosophical here with you now. So you're in the Lower Mainland. You're kind of in the bubble, that urban sphere, and the kind of the one that you know the the votes, um, you know, don't bode well for us when it comes to some of these wedge issues like for example grizzly bears for example right so um you know and you kind of live you live in the mission area you're in that local community there um i live in victoria greg was in the lower mainland so you know the three of us are pretty well i guess uh well positioned to have an opinion on this but there's this rural urban divide right around hunting and about consumptive use and and being on the landscape and and you know even killing grizzly bears which is topical right now with this whole grizzly bear engagement stuff going on um what what are we doing good and what can we do better what do we have to change to be sort of uh do a better job to sort of look after the things that we love hmm. image. Easy question i know i just think image honestly i just think it's what people think like a lot of people have this bad image of hunters for years and i think if we just present a very good image of what we actually are people that care people that want to see more animals on the landscape if we teach people about how much we actually do care about the animals that we're not just there to blast them and fill our freezers i think it would really change a lot of people's opinions my a lot of my wife's friends i have yoga instructors that i'll talk to and they they don't understand what we do and why we're out there and i think if they actually understood us better and we educated everyone better about why we're doing this and what we're here for. I think it would change our image so much and we'd get even more people on our side. I've talked to so many people. I've worked with people like, you know, work in construction, you get a variety of people and they really don't understand why it is you go out into the woods or what the reason for it is. And they don't understand conservation whatsoever. They don't understand that how much money hunters put towards conservation in the wild and do, do you think they care? Do you think if they knew that we put $15 million a year, the Wild Sheep Society of BC, which is mostly a hunter conservationist organization, puts six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars on the ground for, do you think they care? Or do you think that matters? Or um, do they think they'd just be happy if we just weren't doing it? Good question. I'm not too sure. Some people, 
I heard one guy said once, it's like 10% or 10% of us are hunters, 10% are anti-hunters, 80% have no fucking clue what's going on. And it's that 80% that we need to win over. It's that 80% that we need to educate about why we're out here, why we love it, and why we're doing it. And once they understand, things will be better. Things will go better for us. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Mission does a pretty good, darn good job of it. From what I've seen with that uh, women want to shoot thing, it was uh, pretty impressive. We had the CCFR show up, or not we, you guys had the CCFR show up. Uh, Giltaka was there, which was impressive. And uh, They're coming uh, again next year as well. Are they? Uh, Tracy, yeah, Tracy Moore is coming out again. And, yeah, I think that's her name, Tracy. What the hell? Tracy Wilson, that's her name. Yeah, Tracy Wilson. She's coming out again. Uh, yeah, all the folks are coming out again. They said it was fantastic. She actually came back and said it was the best event they've seen across Canada for women. Is that right? I I'll, I tell you, I was impressed. That's the only one I've been to, so I've got nothing to compare it to. But yeah, um, Rensmag, how about you? What's uh, you know now that you've left the big smoke and you're living in your uh, you're hiding away up in George? What's your take on it? What can we do better? What do we have to do better? You know, we look at who cares uh, one campfire. Um, these different programs and we're trying to change hearts and minds. What are your thoughts on that? I, I do agree with Thomas on the, uh, the image. Starlight. There's a, uh, a divide that I still can't figure out how we can bridge. And it's a divide between hunters and that saying that always bothers me to no end and it's when you're talking to other hunters, it's like, oh, I don't hunt that. I don't care. And they don't they don't see the bigger picture that once they take one, they're just going to keep coming back for more. And, you know, and hunters have a very, very poor tendency to just not show up. And we're going through that right now with this grizzly bear stewardship framework. And, uh, you know, we're, we're hearing reports of just dismal numbers again. And you hear rumors of you know less than a couple thousand when when we have over a hundred thousand hunters like it's 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 disturbing to me and it's it's scary it scares me to no end for what it might hold for the future and for our children and our children's children like you know do we we just keep giving in and not showing up are we just gonna keep losing our privilege to hunt like it's uh, yeah it's 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 a tough one to get hunters to stand together and I can't figure that out. Just blows me away. You're very right, right, Greg. I noticed that a lot. I don't understand it either. It just seems like we don't want to all work together. Maybe it's because, you know, I don't want to tell you where my sheep spot is, right? So, I don't know. It's just always been like that with hunters. They don't seem to work that well together and I don't understand why. Yeah, you know, you bring up a good point there, Thomas, in some regards about, yeah, not wanting to give your spot away, but there's a big difference between giving your spot away and, and uh, you know, writing into in favor of, uh, you know, science-based wildlife management for grizzly bears and reinstating the hunt, um, you know, and yeah, I, I don't know. I, uh, you know, if I could, I'm not a waterfowler. I've hunted, you know, birds before, but, um, you know, if there was a chance it was going to go away, I was, I'll sure as hell stand up and, or, and fight for it. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't quite understand that either. And and you're right, Greg. Um, we, we are. It's interesting. I did a podcast with Shockey a, a while back, and Shockey was saying that a politician told him outright. He goes, "We don't really care about the hunting contingent when it comes to votes because they don't vote anyway. They're not. They they'd rather um, you know go out and just be in the bush and and not you know even be around and care about these issues, right? So it's uh, you know 
and I don't, I don't think it's education. I think we do a pretty good job of educating. Maybe, maybe we're not doing it in the right spots. Maybe I, I think the social media thing works against us because there's a lot of, certainly I think some of our older hunters, they're just not on the internet. They're not on social media. They don't, you know, subscribe to that sort of thing. But I also think the older hunters would be the ones that would be more engaged. They'd be more willing to get involved too, right? And stand up for um, some of these things as well. So, yeah. It's interesting because the Ron Gun Club, we had a general meeting on Monday and I was stood up there and given my uh, my wildlife report that I give at all the meetings there. And I brought up the grizzly bear stewardship program thing going on and I just had blank stares looking at me. It looked like 70% of the room didn't even know what was going on. They hadn't been, had no clue. I had a, one guy the next morning emailed me and asked me for a link. And I was like, how do, how do you guys not see this? But I think a lot of hunters aren't. A lot of the older ones just aren't even on social media either. So they don't see things like that going on. They don't know about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. People people ask what they can do all the time, right? Oh, how do we get involved or how do we do this or how can we help? Well, there's simple, very basic things. And, and doing an online survey that takes 20 minutes is, you'd say, is probably the least you could do for conservation. And it, and it is conservation, you know, like really, I think science-based wildlife management is at stake here. Like I, that's fear-mongering and I don't want to do that, but it's certainly... Like if you scratch the surface, it's more than just that bloody framework. Like, um, again, that, you know, we've all talked about the framework. I'm sure you guys are pretty knowledgeable about it. I know Greg is because he's been involved in, you know, with the society. And, and obviously you brought it up too, Thomas. So, but we, we sit there and, um, you know, th- there are parts of that document that just are like, talk about ruling based on emotion and making decisions based on, um, you know, social license or, or ethics or, or social values. And it's like, you know, whatever happened to that, uh, um, the North American wildlife model, right? It's just, and it really is under attack. And that, I, I really feel that that's our chance to sort of advocate for that. And if we're not doing that as hunters and that, you know, and if that goes away, if it goes away with the grizzly bear, it's like you said, Greg, well, then it's mule deer. And then it's, and all of a sudden it's something that you actually care, give a shit about, right? And the CCFR thing and, and the gun ban is no different, right? Like that's just, you know, just scratch the surface. Okay, well, it's only pistols. I don't have a pistol. I don't give a shit. It's like, well, well you, you, probably, you probably should care. You really should. Like um, if you got a Weatherby Mark V, and again, I'm sort of, you know, fear-mongering here, but really the Weatherby Mark Vs are on that gun ban. Like, yeah, granted it's some massive caliber and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, it's still on there. And it's like, you know, what's next, what's next. And you can guarantee the people that are, you know, moving these agendas forward that we don't like, they're thinking about the next steps. I think we should be too. So I'm pre- preaching the masses here, but. Yeah, they're, they're planning, they got a very structured system and they're planning well ahead and they know what they're doing, right? They've been attacking our hunting rights for a long time. And they're not, they're not screwing around either. You see a grizzly bear on the side of a bus driving down Vancouver saying, why are we hunting these things? We got to protect them. It's, that's, that's good game. Good game. Have either of you guys gone to the Grizzly Bear Foundation uh, website? Never. Just do me a favor. You don't need to do it now, but just go there. Just click. Just when you get off the the call or when you get a minute, just Google Grizzly Bear Foundation and click on it. And there's a beautiful, gorgeous, blonde grizzly bear, grizzly bear stewardship framework. And it's all about this. Like, you look at the society, you can find some of our stuff. Go to the BCWF, go to GOABC. You'll find something on there. Go to the Grizzly Bear Foundation. Now, granted, it's grizzly bears, so if it was sheep, we might be more proactive too. But 
it's all over there and they and then there's a survey on there there's links to the engagement piece and then there's also um you know these act now campaigns like we do where you you click the button and it emails all these mlas and all that sort of stuff and you click they've got one there on there too an act now campaign effectively and um i checked yesterday when i did a nine there you go how many 950 or something like that so you know yeah it's um, they're working hard and, you know, good on them. They're, they're, they're beating us at, at that game for sure. And the least we could do is, is get involved. Anyway, off the soapbox, let's switch subjects. Sorry. <laughs> Greg, over to you. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, since my involvement with the society, there's always been kind of this staple at a lot of the counts and you seem to, you seem to make the effort to come to the counts and you're one of the guys that actually shows up to the remote Fraser counts between Lytton and Williams Lake there. Those are fun. There's Williams bears Lake. everywhere. Yeah. Well, yeah, so, something happened on uh, your first count for this this summer, and I was going to touch on that. You, you know, rolling in, I see some headlights, and there's nobody at the truck, and I'm wondering what the hell's going on. And uh, yeah, I see yelling. a truck driving by, and I'm like, hey, there goes Greg. I'm going to scream really loud at him right now as we were driving a black bear down the side of the mountain that we had just shot out of there. And yeah, we were driving up the hill and I was sitting in the back seat with the boy because he needed some entertainment because he was, he came along for the drive. So my coworker was driving the truck and I see a black bear running up the hillside. So took off after him and uh, got within about 30 yards and I managed to drop him. And then we were dragging him down. And we saw you. Well, yeah, and you, you know, you're going to a sheep count to check on lamb recruitment and see how they're doing. And you're doing your part to, to uh, mitigate the hazard for them, so to speak. Uh, absolutely. He was carrying a fawn. He actually did have a deer fawn with him. So that was pretty entertaining or pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, how old's your son? Cause that's, uh, that's quite the experience for, for him. <laughs> Two and a half. Yeah. And you drug him right up the mountain after the bear too. Yeah, I took him right up there with me to see the bear afterwards. You got to go and take a look at it and pet it on the nose a little bit. I, I want to introduce him to it at a young age. He's been there for the. Uh, he watched my. He's actually watched my wife shoot two bucks already. Now he's sitting in the backpack for the first year when he was not even a year old, and sitting in the back my backpack and watching my wife shoot a buck. And then last year when she shot her buck, he was sitting in the back seat of the truck, and he was sitting in the back seat of the truck again when we shot the moose. So he's actually been there for almost every animal that we've harvested in the last, in the last two and a half years of his life, and it's just. It's interesting because he's starting to really enjoy it. And when you say on a Saturday, oh, and what do you want to do? Let's go hunting. And you're like, whoa, you're two and a half years old and you want to go hunting. This is awesome. I'm doing something right right now. Yeah, so a question we, we commonly ask guests, and I'm going to be no different here, is that how important is it to you to, to raise them up in the outdoors and get them involved in hunting and fishing? Because, you know, you're always out there doing one or the other and he's always by your side and it's pretty cool to see absolutely it's 100 percent important my dad did it for me and i like it's at the time in your teen years you don't really appreciate it as much and then as i got older and i suddenly learned to really appreciate it and see the beauty of nature and i want my son to enjoy it i think back to all the times i had with my dad helping him drag a moose out of the mountains and stuff like that when i was 13 14 years old carrying like quarters and throwing them onto quad size and watching the quads disappear into bogs and stuff like that those are memories you never forget like there's so many amazing times that I've had with my dad over the years. to have all this. Yeah, no, it's that's important to to learn what you do and live that life for sure. It's uh, something he'll never forget. I still look back on memories as you know as far back as I can remember. I can't 
pinpoint how old I was, but you know, I don't remember going on family vacations where we stayed in a hotel or anything. I remember hunting. I remember fishing. I remember sitting in the boat. I, you know, sitting in the middle of a mountain, just watching the sunset. Those are the ones that you remember forever. And it's life, life lessons that you can't learn anywhere else, but being out there and doing it. And it's, it's getting to drive a truck when you're 12 years old down a gravel road with your dad sitting in the passenger seat. Yeah, none of us do that, right? Or never, never did did that. <laughs> so when you're when you're coming out, you're making those adventures because being from the Lower Mainland, those those Fraser counts were were quite a ways in there. Like you know, you're six hours. Why why do you why is it important to you to get out there and you know be part of that family that we're out there and we're checking on the lambs? Well, I want to hang out with you, Greg. Obviously, <laughs> um, it's just it's my way of helping it's like it's one way that we can really help out honestly like we go out there we can get some numbers and we can report these numbers to the biologists who are actually doing something like we know that the biologists don't have the budget to do that and us going out there and giving a hand like we're doing something we're actually making a difference and we're really helping them out and like i don't know any other ways that i really can so when you say tom we're going out this weekend it's like hell yeah let's go let's go have some fun yeah, you're kind of one of the go-to guys. I always make sure I message privately too. It's like, hey, another count coming up. Let's go. Yeah, they're you, fun too. It's just a good yeah. time. You get to explore new areas. It's fun. I I really enjoy the counts. They're a great. Time. Yeah, no, and and like you say too, if it's it's crucial to to the sheep, we can report back numbers. We can let them know if their treatments didn't go well, and we know pretty quick. You know, the past few years we we've lo- been losing a couple of counts due to fires and other issues. But you know, those we get those first couple of counts in, and you know, by that July count when you can still see good numbers, you you know it's doing okay. They'll, they'll go back in the winter and fly over, and they'll see they'll see the real numbers at the end of the the year when they if they do a flyover in the winter and they're all sitting on the river, but. You know what we've seen this year and the past couple of years have it's been pretty positive and it's fun to be a part of and it's good having guys like you out that dedicate their time to come out there because there's not very many guys that do it and you know it's it's really appreciated when you're out there. No, we need to get more guys coming out. They're really missing out, honestly. People are it's, it's just too much fun. It really is. Like I we we should I can't understand why people aren't coming. Honestly, it's a great time to go out there and do it. Yeah. So when you're in the the back country, are you you plotting your next sheep hunt? You thinking about the next one while we're out there? Or, you know, when we're out oh, there staring at sheep, we got a lot of time to think. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're thinking, where am I going next? What's going to be happening next? Or how am I going to explain how I'm going to be away for an extra day to the wife? You know. <laughs> well, I seem to remember your wife was out there, really pregnant at one of the counts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> In forty degree weather along the river, she, was... she came and she had a good time though. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That it's always... Right? Yeah, it's always good to have the families out, and you know it's kid friendly except for when we get that those heat blasts along there. Make sure your air conditioning is working. For the most most part, those counts are truck friendly, so it's good. Mm-hmm. So when you went in on your your sheep hunt or what you tried to call not a sheep hunt. I don't know what that was about. Kyle called you out on your bluff there. But <laughs> no, that's that was your second 
kind of real fly in, go after them. It's uh, what's lessons you you learn in here? Cause there's every every time you go, you learn a, a good lesson, and I wanna wanna know what a little bit of advice from Mr. Madsen from his last one. It's a deep one. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know, I know. You're making me think hard here, buddy. It's really hard to play. Honestly, it's patience. Just patience. The more you move, the less you see. The more you can just sit still and just find a good glassing point, just relax and just calm down and just hang out and just be, just get comfortable that you're going to be cold. Find a pile of willow brush to hang out inside and stay out of the wind and just stay patient. Just stay positive. If you if your mindset goes negative, it kills the hunt. As soon as you get negative, as soon as you get grumpy, as soon as you get upset that you're not seeing animals, your hunt's done and you're going to find excuses to not want to be there. If you're going to work hard and just stay patient and just stay positive the whole way through and not get negative, the hunt's going to go a lot better for yourself and you're going to have a lot better time. Yeah, those are words of wisdom. The uh, the mindset is numero uno while you're out there, that's for sure. Hey, Thomas, I'm curious. Does that perspective come from having hunted with Peter or you know, in his wisdom and his experience or... Is that something you figured out after your first hunt and your second hunt and your third hunt? Like, was it something self-taught or was it like something that, you know, you had that mentorship piece? Uh, Both of them, actually. My first sheep hunt, we got onto some rams very early on in the hunt. And then I was impatient. We started bouncing around, hiking, and just ended up going through hell for absolutely no reason. Or if we had stayed still, we probably would have actually found some more rams. Second hunt, same thing again. We were just bouncing around, driving everywhere. We drove up into the Cassiars looking around, and we just had no patience, and it just the hunt ended up being a complete waste of time. And this last hunt with Peter, I just took my time. I was relaxed. I had no stress on myself. I was like, I went onto this hunt without the plan of killing a ram, honestly. I, the hunt was all for Peter. I'm like, if we see a ram and he's on there, it's going to be his ram unless I'm off by myself and I see one. So I honestly went into that hunt not really expecting to get one for myself. And I think it took all the pressure off and it made it a lot more enjoyable of a hunt going that way. And then just, I was able just to sit back, relax, just get up in the morning, go do my thing and not feel the giant stress that I have to be pounding the, pounding the ground and going crazy the whole way through. It just made it a lot more enjoyable of a hunt. Sounds like some pretty sage advice. Nah, I've only been doing it for three years. I don't know what I'm doing. I just know how not to get frustrated. <laughs> so, what's your next time? Are you gonna go for are you gonna go for stones again, or are you going for you got something else planned? What are you doing? Are, are you uh, do you have any other plan, plans this fall? Yeah, I got a week off the first week of October. We're going moose hunting. We pull a draw for three one seven. Thanks for the pins, Greg. And then all of November, every weekend, I'll be on mule deer. That's one of my biggest passions. Is actually hunting mule deer. I absolutely love them. And yeah, that's and then next year. I'm not too sure. I haven't figured out next year's hunts yet, but that's the for the rest of the season at least. So for mule deer, is that local stuff, like in you know, kind of the eastern lower mainland, or do you drive up in the interior? Where do you like? Well, I got some black. I had a couple cameras up for some local black tails until someone stole one two weeks ago. I guess we went and checked, it and some jackass stole one of my cameras. But we got a few nice bucks on camera locally, and then I do a lot of mule deer hunting up in the Cache Creek area. Okay, nice. Awesome. Cool. How about yourself? Oh, I still got a dull sheep draw. I got to do something with that. So I, uh, I'm kind of got a hankering to go chase some dull sheep, I think. So 
I'm not sure what's going to happen there, but yeah. yeah. How long is it good for? I think they, I don't know, actually, I haven't looked that closely. I think it's October 15th, but I'm not, not sure, but yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know the dates on it, to be honest with you. I, I know when it opened, that's for sure. Um, but I don't know exactly when it closed. I think it's October 15th, but yeah. Good question. Can you go chase some winter coats? Yeah, it would be awesome for sure. Yeah. That would be something special. Yeah. yeah you might have, you outed me there a little bit, Thomas, about saying where your, your moose draw is, uh, might have some angry people say, at you. <laughs> I didn't say what area. I just said thanks for the pins, Greg. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I've had a lot of people trying to pull them out of me, so uh, just... Ah, uh, they can get mad at me. That's fine. Yeah. There'll be fist fights later on if I come back down there to visit. <laughs> what's the what's the ultimate goal for you when it comes to hunting? Is there a be-all, end-all? What's your, what's your apex? What are you shooting for? Is it just... Mankind. Chasing the big mankind. No. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I haven't really ever had an apex or anything like that. Like the BC slam would be nice, but yeah, I don't really know. Honestly, I would like to shoot a grizzly bear one day. My dad got one. It's a tank. It completely covers a queen size bed, or a bed, and it'd be pretty cool to have one like that one day as well. So, is that your uh, call to action for people to comment on the the framework? Absolutely. Thomas needs a bear, so let's. Uh, yeah, I need another sure grizzly bear. I got enough up. black bears. Yeah, everyone needs to go fill out the framework. So, if there was one animal, I know your hunting career is still young. You're still a young guy. Uh, if there's one animal you had to pick to chase the rest of your life, what's that hunt? What is it? What what hunt gets you going in the morning? Just one animal the rest of my life. That's it. It's all I get to hunt. Only one. Yeah. Mule deer. You can shoot as many of you want, but. Honestly, just like old mule deer, because they just get so wise. They're just like this mythical sage animal that once they get over four or five years old, they get so smart. They barely move. They just hang out way in the thick brush. Some of them don't even come down for the run. They get so wise and intelligent that it just. They're. I don't know. There's something about watching them. They're a really cool animal to go out and chase after, and I really, really love them. It's also the terrain they live in, how they live in such a wide variety of terrain. Like sheep hunting is incredible, but there's something that I've always just really, really, really enjoyed about hunting mule deer, and I think they're just an amazing animal to chase after. Yeah, I don't uh, don't disagree with you there. Mount mule deer is one of my favorite, if not my favorite, animal to hunt. Like you say, when they get older, they get wise, and they you know, a lot of those big boys don't come down for the rut. They stay up high. And I'm a firm believer, and my, my old man's always instilled it into me that every mountain has its king, and you got to find them. And they, they're just, they're not stupid. They When they get old, they're such a smart animal, and it's really fun chasing after them. Yeah. Right. Robbie Danny, he'll spend like two weeks out of a year just scouting to go after mule deer. Like, that's... That's a lot of work. Yeah, no, I was the, I was the same before the kids got into sports, and you know, I, I do have pictures to prove it too. <laughs> Did a lot of scouting and would spend yeah weeks in the summer every weekend out there, even you know, 
going as far as Boston Bar after work to go check cameras when I was younger and then come back and go to work the next day and spend six hours on the road and hiking and get back down, get home midnight and do it all yeah. over again the next week. Every single weekend in Cash Creek up until I had a son, honestly, it was every weekend in hunting season. I'd just be dripping up there and just pounding the woods every night, day after day after day after day. It was just the best time. It's still amazing to do it. Family's obviously incredible, but it's just there's something about chasing the old church. It's really interesting. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Well, I don't know. That's that's about all I got, all I got for Mr. Madsen. Kyle, you got uh, a little extra. No, I think we we knocked that one on the head. But uh, buddy, I appreciate everything that you do. Uh, uh, Mission Rod and Gun Club, Mission and District Rod and Gun Club is uh, such a great partner with uh, the society, and you know it's really cool to see uh, conservation minded organizations and and to do the collaboration. Uh, like that's one of our favorites. We love to to spread the wealth and you know work with people and um, you know do matches where we can and stuff like that. And it's really cool that. Um, and again, there's always that champion, right? There's always the Thomas and the Peter that are, are sort of, you know, moving things along and without you guys doing it, you know, somebody else gets noticed. And anyway, we're passionate about wild sheep. We're super grateful. And, uh, you know, I always see you and Peter at uh, all our events. It makes me happy. It warms my heart. So it's uh, really cool. And honestly, dude, super grateful for everything that you do and, and everything that mission does to support, uh, all the things that are important to, to me personally. And yeah, re- really cool. Love it. Love it. Appreciate it. It's great. Uh, great group organization you have going there, Kyle. We enjoy helping out and it's helping a good cause. It's awesome. You're going to have to turn it off, buddy. It switched control to you, Greg, somehow. So, uh Oh, so I've lost control and kill it. Or, or maybe, maybe Thomas has it. I don't know. Do, do you guys have a stop button there? I do not. <laughs> the bottom, oh, right at the bottom, does it say, does it say, uh, is there a recording button there? No. Nope. Oh, does that work? No. <laughs> I, I got a stop button. It's not doing anything. <laughs> okay. Let me see. Yeah. It's, I don't know who the show manager is. Neither do I. Uh, let me see here. <laughs> figure it out. It uh, so for some reason it when I was doing my thing it just stopped like it just uh, my program started to stop responding. Uh, That's what mine oh, did earlier when I just so all three of us are guests so there is no manager. I guess it records for per- perpetuity. I guess we'll just have to drop off. Um, yeah, I can't even. Can you guys leave session? I can't even leave nope. session. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is awkward. How you doing, big guy? Oh, they're still recording. They're still recording. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, this is weird. This is never happened. What are you doing? What's your hunt coming up, buddy? I leave Sunday. Ooh. Yeah, driving. Caribou? Uh, chasing caribou is the main focus, trying to get my old man. My old man and brother haven't got one. Um, and Steve's coming with us. He hasn't got one. 